Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Purple Daily. On second and two, River. Under pressure. Lost the ball. It's on the ground. And picked up by the Vikings. Down the sideline. To the end zone. It's Fadio Debebo. For the touchdown. Big credit to Greg Gumble there. Greg Gumble, right? Is that who it was? I think so. Okay. I, I mean, I can double check. Not perfect at recognizing the voices if it's not Kevin Harlan <laughs> uh, for nailing a Fadi Adenabo. Because you might go into that game saying, okay, they got a lot of star players. They'll probably make plays. And then this other guy that's down the roster a little bit. But to have that right there and ready, that shows us some research. Not a, it's not an easy name to hit if you're, if you're not prepared for it. No, but it is a name that, because I've typed it so many times throughout training camp with him being on the bubble and such and finally making the team, that will be in my fingers forever. <laughs> like when I'm 90, be like, spell a Fadi Denbo. I'm like, okay, got it. Like mid-2000s um, Twins writers when they ever have to write Minkiewicz. Uh-huh, yep. <laughs> it's same way for any confusing name. Uh, welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels here for the first hour. How are you, Sage? I'm great. It's, you know, there's the two Gumbles, obviously, right? So you don't know. I mean, the one of them doesn't. Is, did he ever really do NFL? Is it the, uh, um, is the one that has his own sports show? Is the HBO the guy. He was like the Today Show, and then he was like HBO. That's right. And then his brother is the uh, the NFL one. But now that I can't, I can't, was it, I can't think of which one is which. Is it Brent? Brent Brian Gumble is the one with his own show, okay. Real Sport, with, uh, with Brian Gumble. Right? There was so a Family Guy bit. Gumble and Gumble, where they investigated crimes, which is pretty funny. Um, yeah. Anyway, so. well, that was a crime yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for all of us whose time was robbed in the second half, watching fumble after fumble after fumble. But I know that Vikings fans do not look at it that way. Um, from a reporter and ho- just a person hoping to see a good football game standpoint, it was not a good football game in the second half. But um, Sage, what do we make of the two? ways that the haves played out. The second half is just a mess, and they just keep turning the ball over. I don't even know what to say about that. I don't have a whole lot of takeaways. But the first half had more of a playoffsy atmosphere, and I thought it was interesting the way the Vikings tried to respond to not being able to run the ball early and pretty much struggled to do so. And, and I also felt it was interesting that Phillip Rivers was able to move the ball down the field on them, as so many teams have been able to do this year 
But in order to slow that down, they had to come up with big plays from their star players. And and I feel like, Sage, that is who the Minnesota Vikings are on both sides of the ball, is if they're going to win with a, a good defensive performance, they better cause turnovers, they better get strip sacks, they better get interceptions, because they will give up yards when you throw at their cornerbacks. And on the offensive side, if Delvin Cook isn't healthy the rest of the way, it's going to be a problem because they have to run. Well, it's going to be a problem, but I tell you, I, we've been talking about since training camp, Mike Boone with a nice performance. And obviously you have Madison, so that's a strength of the football team, though. Dalvin Cook is, is such an exceptional player. It would hurt to have him out. But, I, you know, I liked yesterday's game. It's not always pretty. Uh, and execution isn't always there 100%. And sometimes you run the ball, uh, you know, against the wrong defense. You, you miss a block here and the drive stalls. And it's not always perfect. But, you know, once that thing got rolling yesterday, I liked the way the offense was efficient. And, and they had nice balance. They, they, again, made another huge play off of play action in the passing game. And isn't it amazing, by the way, Stephon Diggs wide open. Um, with the big play action play, so you know they did a lot of good things offensively, and it was a balanced game. And obviously, you know, the, d- defensively, turnovers is is like that's like their main thing. They don't care, talk about yards nearly as much as basically turnovers and red zone efficiency and, and, and things like that. You know, giving up yards is a lot of coaches would be happy to give up yards if they got a lot of turnovers and and if they did a good job in the red zone. So here's my question: Then coming off of that, because they got seven turnovers yesterday, you'll never see that again. Um, but uh, can you be a successful defense in the playoffs if you are reliant on stopping teams in the red zone and in causing turnovers? Because I, I think uh, you can be, but the Vikings are in a position now where they're going to have to go on the road multiple times to get where they want to go. Probably in order to get to the Super Bowl, they'll have to win three road games. That's going to be pretty tough. Relying on causing turnovers at an extremely high rate against teams like the New Orleans Saints or like the San Francisco 49ers or Green Bay Packers is going to be a lot tougher in my mind than against a YOLO Phillip Rivers who's just throwing the ball up or against the Chargers team that's fumbling it all over the place. And, and good plays by the Vikings. They deserve credit. I just wonder, Sage, if we think that a defense that relies on turnovers and relies on stopping teams when they get in the red zone can be successful in the playoffs. Well, yeah, I, I do. I mean, again, you, know, you don't want to be a team that gives up a million yards, but uh, yeah, it's all about how many points the other team scores. It always seems like to me, and and you know, turnovers are a part of that. And the good defenses create turnovers. I mean, those old Bears teams and and uh, the Ravens teams they always create a lot of turnovers, you know, with their style. So I, you know, this defense can do that. It's all about getting hot at, at the right time. That that's how I look at the playoffs. And there's obviously, I don't think there's a dominant team. Uh, in the NFC, I mean, the Vikings played Seattle right down to the wire. Right now, they're the, they're the number one team. And they played that game on the road without Adam Thielen, right? So I like where the Vikings sit. I know it would be better if they had a bye, and it would be better if they had played home games. But it's all about getting hot at the end of the year. And this team, uh, to me, I mean, they've dominated two opponents in a row. I know they haven't been great teams, but they've really dominated them after a really tough loss on the road at Seattle. So I like the trajectory of where this team is going. I think this offense is playing better. It's very clean. The pass protection was pretty good a couple times in that game on third and ten and more. Uh, and uh, and obviously they still have the big plays of the passing game, having Adam Thielen back, and now this defense is getting hot. So uh, I, I like where this team is. I like where they're going, and I think they have a legit chance to obviously beat Green Bay and, and, and beat Chicago and, and, and make a little run here. So I'm, I'm that game obviously was very, very encouraging. I know – 
By the way, it's a whole other conversation. What happened to the Los Angeles Chargers? I mean, holy cow. I, we could you know, talk about that at some point in the show if you want to. And, and Philip Rivers, I mean, that looked like one of those terrible sort of Eli Manning performances when, yeah. when the whole thing just sort of falls apart and steamrolls, yeah. and they just keep chucking it. And that's just sort of – I sort of like that, though, about it. Like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to keep – can I stay on the radio? Screw it. Uh, uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'm just going to keep chucking it. And they, and they do and, and, and keep uh, taking chances. And, and obviously he's just going to keep heaving it uh, uh, and try to claw back into that football game. So and, and obviously he kept turning it over. But anyway, I like where this Vikings team is, and I like where the way they played. And it wasn't a beautiful game, but you know, good defensive-type uh, games and, and teams with this style of offense sort of grind it out are not a, a thing of beauty every single time and and uh, to me that was a that was sort of a thing of beauty yesterday well here's the update on delvin cook uh, mike zimmer said that he feels good today his shoulder issue from uh, yesterday's game and it seems like he could be trending toward playing against green bay but i think there is a pretty good case sage is that the to... same shoulder by the way that he fell on so i was trying to figure this out yesterday three weeks like, ago or something like that it, initially it was a shoulder and then it was a clavicle and then yesterday was a shoulder and uh, i'm having trouble figuring out so it's all this i mean that exactly. I, that, but I, yes i think it's the same injury i feel like at the time i said something like it might be an ac sprain and this is just by looking at it and seeing guys with that injury when i played you know running backs or receiving guys fell on the ground like that time to get this ac sprain which is sort of the shoulder clavicle area and it you know and those things can definitely re uh re-injured they, they can be re-injured you know fairly easily so obviously he's got some some issue that, but in the, unless it's a different shoulders i'm not sure if it's even the same uh, uh shoulder or whatever but uh, you know hopefully um you know he can come back and be healthy because he's such a dynamic player well, and, and that's what I was thinking about, is there a case for sitting him against Green Bay no matter what and trying to get him to be 100% healthy when you go into the playoffs? Because at this moment, the chances that the Vikings miss the playoffs are extremely, extremely low. The chances that they win the division are extremely, extremely low. And even though it's fun to have the border battle thing and you're playing the Packers, next Monday night's game is for entertainment purposes only, more likely than not. Some things could fall into place and they could get very very lucky and you end up with this three seed but there's very small odds of that and if you had to play a game with let's assume alexander madison comes back and mike boone and amir abdullah as your running backs you can still win that game against green bay with those three guys as your running backs i don't know if you can win games in the playoffs multiple games in the playoffs if delvin cook gets hurt again and you have to try to go through the entire postseason if you have to travel to new orleans and you have to travel to seattle again or however this might play out, and you have to do it without Delvin Cook, that is going to be pretty darn tough. I think there's a good case to say, you know what, Like, let's let this thing heal and make sure that you are as close to 100% as you possibly could be when we go into the postseason. Yeah, you know, I could see that, uh, you know, thinking, uh, I think they're going to try to win the next game, and if Delvin Cook is healthy, I think uh, they're going to play him. Now, if let's just say they play him. He's obviously not going to be 100%, but maybe they use him a little bit differently. They're not a guy who they're not going to run him through, through the uh, – uh, the tackles as much. It'll be, it'll be more some of that screen game or some things on the outside where he's not getting hit by you know six guys and rammed into the ground. So maybe they use him a little bit differently. The nice thing is they always dress four running backs anyway. So even if they dressed him and he only played four or five carries a game or end up not playing at all because the first carry felt the twinge and they just take him out. The other three running backs dress and, and they don't have to bring up bring anybody up from the practice squad or anything like that. So I, I think they're fine. Uh, and again, it's it's it's. 
it's really up to Dalvin Cook and Sugarman and, and whoever and you know, whatever they feel is best. But I got to think if he can play, uh, you know, I think they'd like to like to win the, the, their next two ball games as they get into the playoffs. No, and, and I agree with that. I think it's just one of those formulas you have to try and do is what you're going to gain out of these next two games by winning them. Is it worth what you could potentially lose if Dalvin Cook goes down again? And even if what happens yesterday happens in a playoff game, it's the first quarter or the second quarter and he gets thrown down, and then your running game is significantly harmed. I think one of the reasons Alexander Madison has been so good, and he is good, but one of the reasons is because he gets to run over worn-down teams by Dalvin Cook. And even late in that game with Mike Boone, who you know I like, but he's running over a team that's been worn down, and he's fresh coming off of the bench. And if you're expecting those guys to go down to New Orleans and carry you, for three quarters or something, I think you would put yourself in a pretty darn tough position, especially if you have to get in a shootout with Drew Brees and you don't have one of your best weapons. This team has not been particularly cautious, Sage, about certain players over the last few years, including Adam Thielen, who just came back yesterday. And on this one, I think it would be better to err on the side of caution. Yeah, I guess, I don't know. I guess I'll have to see how it plays out. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm just sort of... I, we'll just see how it plays out. I guess we'll see what Spielman and, and Mike Zimmer, uh, and obviously, I don't know, you know, I guess the player, it's really up to the player for the most part. If he feels like he can go, I think Dalvin Cook uh, will want to go. Players have that. They're sort of like boxers sometimes, like, you know, I can go, uh, and a lot of times they convince themselves that they can, and sometimes they do re-injure re- uh, themselves or whatever. So it was nice seeing Adam Thielen out there yesterday. I don't know if we you know, talk about that sometime today, but uh, it, it was nice to you know see him. He looked healthy. He looked extremely healthy, and they had a, you know, they had a jet sweep uh, in the game, I believe, and, and threw a couple of deep balls uh, to him and some underneath stuff, and, and he looked very healthy after the catch, and that was nice because you always feel like in the first three or four catches in, in game action, that's usually when guys re-injure themselves, especially on a hamstring. Yeah, and a nice way to get him worked into it of getting three catches, 27 yards, and one of them is actually Kirk Cousins going off schedule and pulling the ball down and moving and finding him on a third down, which we don't see enough from Kirk Cousins, but that was a very nice play. Uh, Let's get into some potential overreactions or underreactions to the game. I'll throw them out there and you can tell me what you think. Uh, I was looking, Sage, at now where we are at this point in the season. This Vikings team compared to teams of the past, all right, and how they match up in terms of points for and points against. So let's just say that you want to add up points for, points against rank, and then you want the lowest number possible, right? You want to be number one in points for and number one in points against. So if you add those two together, their ranks, it's sixth in points against, fifth in points for, that's 11th. That is the exact uh, number of the 2007, uh, uh, 17, I'm sorry, Vikings, who were 10th in offensive points and number one in defensive points. And then I have to go back quite a ways to find any numbers that low. 2009, second in points. Uh, on offense and 10th in points against, and then all the way back to find a number lower to 1998 where the Vikings were number one in points for and number six in points against. Is it crazy to talk about this team in any way or shape or form in the ballpark of 2017, 2009, or 1998 considering the numbers that they've put up in terms of points for and points against? It's a very efficient ball club. I mean, I, I mean defensively, 
that you know they struggled in the secondary, but you know the way their offense has been balanced and the way they run the football better than they have in those down years, and then they have the big plays in the passing game and the bootleg stuff. This is a very you know balanced offense, and and uh, they they play quality football. This whole team, I think, plays for the most part pretty quality football. They don't hurt themselves all that much. They don't turn the ball over a ton offensively, and when you do that, you're going to win a lot of football games, and we saw sort of the opposite of that with the Chargers yesterday, uh, which is what they have been, you know, for the course of a lot of, uh, you know, Phillip Rivers' career. So I yeah, I love watching this this team play. Uh, they're, so that, that game at Seattle, I know they talk about the, uh, you know, the old moral victories or whatever. I felt good after that game. Like, man, they, they came right down to the wire. They didn't win it, uh, but I felt a lot better after that loss than, the, say, the Kansas City loss. Uh, when they had their backup quarterback who beat them, uh, and you know the Vikings didn't do anything at crunch time there, but I, I just sort of liked the way they played against Seattle, and they hung in there and and made made some plays, and they kept it really close until the very end. And that team is the number one team in the in the, in the NFC right now, so I, I like this football club, and I can see why they compare very favorably to that 2009 uh, season and to that uh, the 2017 season for sure. All right, let me ask now this one, which is in the same ballpark, as we compare the Vikings going into the playoffs to the other teams in the NFC. We don't know who they're going to play yet, but waking up today, they would be going down to New Orleans. Fair to say that the Vikings are the third strongest team of the six potential teams. So of that Seattle, Green Bay, obviously the Vikings, New Orleans, San Francisco, and Dallas. I would still put them behind New Orleans and behind San Francisco, but San Francisco right now is only the fifth seed and the Vikings are the sixth seed. You could make a case that they are equal or even better than either one of those teams. I still think a matchup between the Vikings and the 49ers would be really tough for the Vikings if they had to travel out to San Francisco. I mean, good luck with that defensive line and so forth. But do they have a case for being the strongest team in the NFC despite being a six seed? Yeah, you know, I, I, I tell you this, like the Packers. I think the Vikings are a better team than the Packers. I do. I, I agree. I think they played them early in the year. They were did not play very well. Uh, Cousins had one of his worst games of the season, and and the, we haven't had really seen a, a bad game, you know, that since then. So um, I think this team's really improved. And and I don't, you know, Green Bay has won, but they haven't won very pretty over the course of you know the second half of the season. So I like them. Uh, Seattle is one of those teams. Again, we we played if we played that game in Minnesota, I think we win that football game. So I think we're right there with Seattle, uh, and I think we're right there with uh, uh, with the Saints. I think the Saints are a good football team. I think the Vikings beat San Francisco, even if they have to go on the road. I like the Vikings' chances uh, you know, against San Francisco. I think they can get to Garoppolo. Garoppolo is one of those guys that will make those mistakes, and we, and we saw a few of them yesterday. He'll throw the ball to the other football team, and and he uh, you know, doesn't have you know playoff experience and things like that. So I like the Vikings even on the road against the 49ers. Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels here. Purple Daily uh, will be on for the first hour. Judd Zolged will jump in next. Let me ask you about this one, Sage. I mean, no, by the way, San Francisco lost to Atlanta yesterday at home. Yeah, yeah, that's a bad at loss home. for them. Right, I mean, in Atlanta. And what a weird team Atlanta is, though. They've beaten New Orleans and San Francisco. Those are two better wins than any win the Vikings have, and yet they're <laughs> going to miss the playoffs by a mile. And the Vikings destroyed them uh, you know, week one of the season. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. It, what, is, what a strange year it's been. That's I, I the think, NFL. In the entire NFL. But the Vikings have been pretty consistent. I have to tell you, the, you know, the way they've played, wins and losses, you know, since that week four loss, uh, the, you know, ever since then, they have played very you know, good quality football, and, uh, and I expect them to, uh, you know, to make a nice run here, even if they, even if they have all away games. All right, uh, my next overreaction is after watching the Vikings offensive line slow down Joey Bosa yesterday, 
any team that doesn't have multiple excellent pass rushers the inside and outside, say like the Chicago Bears, possibly I would say that about the Green Bay Packers. Uh, this Vikings offensive line can take them on now. And and I would not have said that about this offensive line early in the year. I would have been saying a lot of similar things from 2018. But he did a terrific job for the most part, giving Kirk Cousins time to throw. And I thought, well, you know, if there's one week where somebody might blow up their game plan, it might be Joey, Joey Rosa. Rosa yeah. Because he is that good. Uh, confidence level should be maybe the highest it's been since I don't know midway through the 2017 season or maybe the, the we Kirk even got, have to go back farther. Sacked, he got sacked one time yesterday. Zero. It was not sacked. Zero yesterday. times yesterday. Yeah. I mean, gotta be extremely happy with this offensive line the way they play. And, and there's just even in the running game, there's very few. There's some runs where there's zero and and ones like eh, you know, just you know, second nine, not great. But you know, sometimes teams get in second thirteen on a run. I mean, there's nothing worse than being a coordinator and running the football and having the second thirteen, second fourteen because you lost four yards. So they almost never have tackles for losses in the running game, uh, and their pass protection has just gotten better and better and better. And of course, you know, it's it's easy on the bootleg stuff. They sort of come off and they have their gaps, and uh, you know, but they're not sitting there in the pocket and. and and, uh, or whatever, and that, that that does help. By the way, when you have screens and you have bootlegs, those are also pass plays that are much easier for an offensive lineman compared to just you know dropping back seven steps in the pocket and trying to throw a dagger route. That, that's that's a tough haul for those guys, and uh, they struggle with those early in the year. But it seems like as of late, even on those types of you know pass protection, that straight drop back stuff, they have improved, and that, that might be their one of their best, if not the best, uh, offensive line performance of the season. I thought so, too. And there were a few times, even on third down and long, where Cousins had time to step back and throw the ball. And third down and long has generally been a nightmare for them since they've gotten Cousins. And, I mean, Riley Reef even has improved his play greatly from early in the year where I was wondering if he was going to make it through the full season with his health. And then yesterday, a lot of snaps going up against Joey Bosa, a lot of times being able to handle him. And the adjustments that they made from early in the season will really be tested over these next two weeks, possibly if the Vikings play their starters in Week 17. I'll have to see how that ends up playing out. Um, but, uh, you know, d- these next two teams will, will get a better sense for what it could look like in the playoffs when they start to play some better players. I mean, if they were to go down to New Orleans, they're going to go up against Cameron Jordan, who might be, you know, top five defensive players in the NFL. So it will get tested a lot more these next two weeks, but I was very impressed with what the offensive line did yesterday. Where, where these types of lines can struggle is when they have really good and big interior guys. That's where sometimes you can struggle. When you know the guy from Chicago, Hicks. Yeah. Uh, you know, that type of guy because you know this is the second smallest offensive line in the NFL. San Francisco's the smallest and and so when you get a guy that's, you know, they they probably list at 340 but it's actually probably 365 on the other side who who's also quick in the, in the, pat, the, the quick in the in the pass rush game. Those guys can be be tough for some of these smaller offensive lines and so um you know the the, the defensive ends uh, so the tackles have done a really nice job, and, and Kirk gets the ball out. That's another thing is he's rarely taken three and four hitches. like yeah. to see somebody. I mean, I watched Deshaun Watson play. He's back there sort of bouncing around a lot of times. I'm like, man, no wonder he gets sacked. Like, I guess sacked like 60 times last year, which is just incredible for a guy who's that athletic. But he holds on to the ball and tries to make a play, and 
They're, they have a lot of deep stuff going down the field, and, and I think uh, Stefanski has a nice job of protecting his line and getting the ball out, and Kirk's going through his reads quickly and processing information and, and getting the ball out as well. But you mean this, uh, these guys have improved so much, and we, should re- you know, we, we, we were hard on these guys a lot last year and even early in the season uh, because they did struggle. But I think this conversation has you know, a lot to do with the style of offense and how this style of offense makes the quarterback better. He's better than he was a year ago. Uh, uh, even though his stats aren't crazy better, like throwing for more yards, but I think he's playing he's more efficient quarterback, and the offensive line has improved tremendously, and mostly all the same players, uh, other than obviously the the new center. Uh, and I, you know, just to, to me, that just goes to show how this style of offense, while not perfect and has its weaknesses, really can make an offensive line better than they were before. Uh, you know, sort of they make them better as as uh, as a whole than than their individual parts per se but also sort of maximizes and makes the life a little bit easier for the quarterback. And, and uh, I, I got to think uh, this quarterback, Kirk Cousins, really likes this offense more than he did uh, you know, uh, you know, one year ago. Okay, now tell me if this is an overreaction. Uh, Philip should just go home and raise his nine kids and call it a day. Uh, it's over. He's had a great career. He'll probably go into the Hall of Fame. But yikes. I mean, still some, so some if he goes mixed in, in the, but my god, If gosh. he goes in the Hall of Fame... Does Eli Manning go in the Hall of Fame? I think both of them probably ultimately get in. That they set that bar with Kurt Warner that a lot of people are able to clear the Kurt Warner bar. And I feel like if you played with one team for a really, really long time, as Philip Rivers and Eli Manning have, Manning has the Super Bowls, but also some really good years before the Super Bowls um, that are maybe... Maybe they don't look quite as good statistically as they were because, as you mentioned, Eli loved to throw it up if his team was losing and there would be picks and things like that. Uh, and Rivers was the captain of a ship that was uh, very competitive for a really long time. Well, and he, he's, sort of been, he's sort of been the ship in a lot yes. of ways, yeah. right? Yep. I mean, in, yep. in particular since Ladanian Tomlinson left, uh, you know, he, he really has been that franchise in, in so many ways and so yeah he's he's been the consistent and and and, and very different ownership right uh, a lot of people think san diego is one of the worst owners in the league and, and new york and historically some of the best owners in the league so uh yeah it's interesting those two guys comparing those guys but man he i what i saw yesterday i was sort of thinking to myself man just i think it's time but i don't i don't see him being that way he seems like a guy who just loves it you know can't get enough of it and i tell you if, if some reason san diego lets him go I can see a t- another team definitely picking him up if, if he so chooses. And if he's on the right football team, I mean, it'd be interesting if he was actually in a, an organization that had a lot of really good players around him and, and he, he didn't have to try to create magic all the time. Because I saw a guy yesterday who was just, you know, he was John Starks heaving up the threes from 25 <laughs> feet, despite the fact that he was 3, three for of 17. in game yeah. seven. <laughs> so, yeah. Keep going, just keep shooting, keep shooting. So he's, he's, he's one of those guys, he's going to keep shooting. I don't see him stopping anytime soon. One of my first sports memories say you bring John up Starks. Is, yeah i was rooting for those knicks teams you know jordan was out of the that, league that for the game couple years. that game by the way is a great metaphor for like all types of sports like you can do that in a golf you know in a in a, in a golf match sometimes i keep firing at the flag and just okay i'm gonna you know keep going for it on the par fives or whatever uh yeah five for 23 is that five what it for was 23 yeah. everyone remembers that game oh john starks that was a great that, those are the great days of the bulls uh, and those Knicks, that was, those are some uh, fun playoff games. It was also uh, notable series. because, like, who does that in 1994? Like, no one did that in 1994. Everyone would do stuff like that. Um, oh, no, wait, he was, uh, 
He was 0 for 11 from three in that game. Two for 18, it was. I had two for 18. Yeah. Gotcha. Two for, gotcha. Two for 18 and 0 for 11 from three. If someone did that today, we'd Phillip be like, Rivers oh, yeah, had pretty happens. much the he had pretty much the equivalent yesterday. Yeah. I mean, if that was a playoff game, it's pretty much the equivalent. Remember that Philip Rivers playoff game where he just kept heaving it up and threw nine picks? That's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that was, was kind of like yesterday. And, I mean, hold on to the ball at some point, somebody from the Los Angeles Chargers. I, I felt bad from them from top to bottom. I mean, from the fact that the entire stadium was purple, that Rivers was just hucking it up there and didn't didn't look like he had a care in the world anymore. And Well, um, you sort of wondered, by the way, you know, I, I, I thought about, before that game, how many Vikings fans might be there? All of and them. And I heard it was like eighty percent, and that was like a, if not a, more, a pretty, yep. uh, pretty nice estimate for the Chargers. Um, and being at that Kansas City game and seeing it seemed like a third in Kansas City in Arrowhead. Yeah, you know, some of the best fans in the league. Uh, the fact that that was almost a third Vikings fans it looked like to me. It's just amazing uh, how passionate Vikings fans are, and I'm sure some probably picked that as a. It's a December trip. Get out of the mid- Midwest for for a weekend and and go see uh, you know the Vikings play. But it was that's that was pretty cool to watch that game and, and see all those Vikings fans in the stands and and uh, you know have a basically a home field advantage and and uh, that must be that Chargers that Chargers organization has to do something else. I mean I don't know. Yes. If sharing the other stadiums probably fine for a little while, but how many people are going to be in that stadium? I mean, are they going to are they going to have like thirty, forty thousand fans in that big, beautiful new stadium that's built when they share it uh, with the Rams in a year? Or are they going to, you know, could they be the team that ends up in London or in some new place? I can definitely see them not uh, not you know, Los Angeles is a huge town, but uh, you know they're not huge football fans in that town, uh, and so you know we'll see if that that uh, that town can can hold two football teams. I don't, I don't think it can. I don't think it can either. Biggest mistake though they made was playing Bon Jovi after they scored Bon Jovi in Los Angeles, as if you'd have no local artists to select from in the tiny musical town of Los Angeles, and you pick a guy from New Jersey who owns a AFL Philadelphia team. Great choice. Maybe that's. That's the sign I don't think of how the AFL's bad they are. A, I think I don't think the AFL's a thing anymore. No, I, I think, think that Bon Jovi's team went under, which what a shame. I think they all went under. I think the whole league is is yeah, not, and that like kind that. of is a shame. But also Bon Jovi tried to buy the Bills and moved them to Toronto, so like screw him. Uh, By the way, speaking of amateur sports, I saw a video on Twitter of you shooting hoops. How about uh, it? Out Ballin'. in California the other day, ball? Uh-huh. Huh? You made about six threes in a row. Sure did. Yeah, that's pretty nice. What, what a night! Uh, it was it was just beautiful. It was like sunset. Uh, over the palm trees, sixty-five degrees and no wind, and just canning them. It was uh, that was great. Being in the stadium was freezing. Coldest I have ever been covering anything was probably in that stadium because they don't plan for it to be fifty-eight degrees. So there's no heaters, and you're not indoors. You're just sitting outside. Fifty-eight degrees, and you're whining the fact that there's no heaters. Well, I mean, it's, and you're from 50, Buffalo. Fifty-eight degrees, sitting outside for five hours is cold. You got cold. soft fast. You got soft on the flight. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been it. All right, uh, let's uh, let's take a break here. I won't brag about all the other outdoor California things that I did though. Um, so let's come back. Here's what I want to know when we return: is what's left to learn about the Vikings? If we're not talking about playoff position necessarily over these next two games, what do we want to see? What do we want to know? And uh, we'll continue to break down the Vikings' big win over the Chargers. Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels. You listen to Purple Daily on Score North. 
Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll open up with a reminder. Do your holiday shopping online and save up to 70% with the Score North holiday auction, online auction, golf packages, electric bikes, countertops, sea life passes, and more. To view and bid on items, visit scorenorth.com and, and enter keyword auction. Kirk Cousins talking to the media yesterday after their 39-10 win over the Los Angeles Chargers, talking about getting to 10 wins for the first time in his career. Here's what he said. You know, we've got to finish strong. Uh, it's a two-game season now, and, and with the way we've played the first 14, we've put ourselves in a position to have a lot to play for these last two games. And uh, 10 wins is is a, a good place to be, but there's a better place to be, and that'd be 11 or 12. So that's what we're chasing, and the NFC is pretty talented at the top. And so it's going to take, um, you know, a great effort these last two weeks to be able to, you know, get seated and, and get in. And- Destination Winter St. Paul featuring the Wells Fargo Winter Skate and the Securian Financial Super Slide is open now through February 22nd at CHS Field in St. Paul. The Wells Fargo Winter Skate opens daily at 11 a.m. And the Securian Financial Super Slide is open Thursday through Sunday. For more information, visit scorenorth.com keyword winter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, speaking of Kirk Cousins, Matthew Collar, Sage Rosenfels here on Purple Daily. I was thinking about yesterday, Sage, that as we are only two games away from the end of the season, and Kirk would have to have a Philip Rivers-like day yesterday uh, to sink his quarterback rating down uh, from being one of the top quarterbacks in the league in that category. He, at this moment, and we'll see how they graded yesterday's game. That hasn't uh, popped up yet from PFF, but he entered the week as the fifth best quarterback in the NFL. 25 touchdowns, five picks, not a great one yesterday, uh, interception, but overall, he's protected the ball much, much, much better than he did last year. Um, With Kirk Cousins, if he wants to, before we see what happens in the playoffs, if he wants to sign an extension and he came to you, let's say you're Rick Spielman, you're the GM, and he walks into your office and says, look, I'll sign a contract extension that's a little bit team-friendly for you today, but tomorrow the offer's off the table, and then you got to see what's behind door number two and risk it later, and maybe I might even leave and just take the biggest offer from somebody else. Would you do that? Man, I don't know. I have not, you know, early in the season when the Vikings were 2-2, two and two, we were discussing, like, man, what are they going to do with their, his contract for next year? Yep. Because this isn't looking good a year from now, and, and it's not looking, uh, you know, it hadn't looked good so far through, what, 18 games or whatever. Not good enough to pay a guy basically $30 million, and so now it's a different conversation. I don't know. That's a My, my guess is that the um, that uh, Rob Brzezinski and his, and his agent, I believe it's Mike McCartney out of Chicago, uh, are either discussing that now or will be discussing that as soon as the season is over. That my guess is that both probably want to 
wait to how the season plays out. And, you know, Cousins can bet on himself by doing that, by being more patient to say, hey, you know, the better we play uh, and the better, uh, you know, the further we go, the more leverage he will have. Um, and, you know, the other way around is, you know, as you said, you're like a little bit le- less guaranteed money or a little bit of a discount if they do something now. So I have no idea. I, I you know, if, if you're a team, I've always wondered, you know, some teams have different views on whether they negotiate during the season or during training camp or all these different things. And, and I'm not sure exactly what the Vikings view is on that. And my guess is that might be a good question for, you know, if Rick Spielman ever does a, another press conference, uh, you know, uh, during the season, that that'd be a good question for someone to ask him. Uh, well, okay, so I was just looking through Cousins' numbers here over the last two seasons and what he's done as a Minnesota Viking. So I'm trying to decide and how to answer even my own question um, on on whether I would do it today if he said team friendly deal today, or you have to wait and see what happens. Uh, what did Charlie Cashley say? Do you remember what he kept saying about quarterback? Well, he was talking about what the other option would be. It's always about the. Uh, that's pretty much that yeah. might be his his rule of how he was a general manager. Is you know, well, do we have another option, or how hard is it to get another option, or what's the other option going to cost us? Is that our option a better or worse player? Maybe he's a little bit worse, but he's a fourth of the price. So we'll we'll go ahead and do that. And and I think that's what the, the Vikings also have to think about. I mean, do they want to draft somebody? To then maybe sit sit behind him next year, I mean, could we could we be uh, getting to a situation where it's like the Bree situation where when Rivers was drafted, where they go, you know, we're not a hundred percent sold. Let's just draft a guy and 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 he'll sit out for one year and Kirk will start next year and maybe they never even extend him. You know, I who I have no idea what how they'll, how they'll play this thing out and the better Kirk plays and the further the Vikings go, the more money he's going to make either for the Vikings or somebody else. Yeah, the examples I think would be. Even you could you could say the Saints getting Teddy Bridgewater, you're getting the guy who's going to replace your starting quarterback eventually. Even though it's not an age issue with Cousins, you're still planning for the future. But the best example is probably Kansas City with Alex Smith, where you have a quarterback who did lead the NFL in quarterback rating in Alex Smith, and then they moved on from him knowing how special Patrick Mahomes was. And apparently Andy Reid had had his eye on Patrick Mahomes for years leading up to that draft, and they desperately wanted him to be their franchise quarterback, but and they, did, did it turned they out move, to be right. Did they move up to get him? I they feel did. Like they, yep. they did a little yep. bit, they right? Traded, so. They traded a lot to move up to, I think it was the 10 spot, trading with the Bills, uh, coincidentally, and the, then they had that plan in place the whole time because they knew Smith was going to require another contract and felt like, uh, as you've talked about how important it is sometimes for a team to have a quarterback on a rookie deal and then you can build up the team around him, that has been the case with Mahomes. It might be a lot tougher for Patrick Mahomes, and I'm not saying he's not going to be great, but it's going to be tougher when they pay him $400 million or something, and then they've got to figure out all the rest of the parts on the roster. Now, the Vikings have done, as you so mentioned... So here's the question, by the way. Can you win without paying a quarterback top, top money? Like, good, you know... Fairly soon here, the Cousins' contract is going to be like right in the middle. You know, it's like an Andy Dalton contract or something because guys are going to be making, four, you know, I don't know what Dak Prescott's going to make or, uh, you know, it's going to be $40 million. What's, what's the number right now? 35, I think. Um, is it Russell Wilson makes maybe? Yeah, is it 30, 35, 35 million is sort of the top. For so, yep. you know, is it better to not pay the top, top dollar and try to find somebody a little less expensive and, and, uh, and try to win that way? So you have a few extra dollars to, to have in other places. I don't know. What do you think? How do you think Teddy Bridgewater would fare in this offense? I think Teddy Bridgewater would be great in this offense. Yeah. I mean, we, we got a good look at Bridgewater with a really brilliant offensive mind. And even though we 
Um, you talk about Gary Kubiak, and, and you played for him. It's like, oh, yeah, no, Kubiak, he's got a role or whatever. I mean, this is one of the all-time successful offensive minds in Gary Kubiak. That's like having the equivalent of having a Sean Payton, uh, having someone who is at the very top of their craft, and then you add Kevin Stefanski to it, and what you're seeing is a brilliant offense. And I, I thought yesterday, even the, the game script, you know, they – scripts a certain amount of plays to start a game and what the Vikings came out with was just excellent you know just the the perfect script of different personnel matchups right off the bat and uh, you know a couple of end arounds and things like that that are just going to completely blow the other team uh, out of their socks and they did a great job scoring on that first drive and we've seen um, just how good the play calling and the uniqueness of this offense is and that exactly is the question I was going to ask you is is how do you separate Kirk Cousins from the system. And when we look around, we look at some other quarterbacks and say, well, Jared Goff, if I had asked you the same question about Jared Goff last year, if I had said, would you extend Jared Goff? I think you'd say, oh, hell yeah, I would. I mean, look at that guy's success. Jared Goff, in his first two full seasons, full seasons as the starter of the Los Angeles Rams, he went 24 and 7 with a 100.8 quarterback rating, 60 touchdowns, 19 picks, though and went to the Super Bowl. And yet this year, the supporting cast falls down a little bit and all of a sudden he's got an 84 quarterback rating. I think Cousins is a better quarterback than Jared Goff, but that's the question you'll be asking is not so much is Kirk Cousins a good quarterback? I think he is a, a good quarterback. It's could you get this for cheaper? And that's where it, it's a very difficult line to tiptoe because if you say, oh, yeah, there's a quarterback in the draft that I know could be that guy. Well, what if he isn't? And then if you're saying, no, I'll just sign someone else. Well, if they're available, that means there's an issue there, right? So that's where it becomes very tricky unless it's someone else with a cousin's situation hitting free agency. But, of course, that person's going to want a bleep ton of money. And here's some trivia for you, Sage. Because I think my answer to the question, without even seeing the playoffs, would have to be yes for, for signing him to an extension. I want you to tell me, over the last two years, so 2018-2019, the quarterbacks in the NFL with a higher quarterback rating than Kirk Cousins. Name the quarterbacks with a higher quarterback rating since the start of 2018. <laughs> uh, man, you always put me on the spot. Um, Give it a shot. I don't know. There's, there's maybe only a couple. Russell Wilson. Okay, Russell Wilson is correct. Uh, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is just below Kirk. Just below. Okay. It's 104.3 to 103.9. Um, I'll give you that. I don't know. I, I think that might be it. Thought he, I mean, thought he is, couldn't throw, though. Is there, is there, yeah, I know. Wow, he's, he's, he's the best throwing running back the NFL has seen <laughs> in quite some time. Okay, um, there's, there. Uh, I will tell you that there are two more. Okay. There are only two more. Other than Russell Wilson. That have a higher, I mean, I don't know what, what's, what's Rodgers' quarterback rating over the course of the last year, or year and a half. Uh, Rodgers is at 98.8, so he's kind of not even that close to Kirk. Yeah, he's not even that close, right? He hasn't, hasn't been. One, uh, one guy you good. know, and one guy I'm sure you love watching. <laughs> one, one guy, you're, you, one oh, guy Breeze, you have baller Breeze, status with to Breeze. go say hello to him, and it is yes. Drew Brees. And okay. the other guy is Patrick Mahomes. So the only quarterbacks with better ratings... Since the start of 2018, when Kirk Cousins joined the Vikings, better than him are Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, and Drew Brees. That would be a pretty tough case to say, no, I wouldn't take a contract extension for that guy. And you you could point at the schedule this year, and it certainly helped him a lot. You could point at the offense. But I'm not a big quarterback. I think quarterback rating is overrated. 
It is. I it do. Is. I mean, it matters. Don't get me wrong. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like uh, you know, clubhead speed for a golfer. You know what I mean? Like it matters, but like I, the guy that you know hits the shots when it matters, not necessarily on the practice range or in the first couple holes plays well and then doesn't play well at the end where you really have to play down, you know, well down the stretch. So I'm big on like, is a guy sort of more clutch and what's the third downs mm-hmm. and um, those you know the red zone and and those types of things, not just the quarterback rating thing. And I think Kirk. Kirk has made a ton of money because he's consistently had these really good quarterback ratings in the past. Yes, but yes. not necessarily wins. And I know you know wins aren't a quarterback stat, but I you know I think it is not a hundred percent, obviously, but it matters. You know, like we take Philip Rivers and those things. You know, he's dealing with a, with a tougher uh, you know sort of deck up there uh, as a quarterback, so his wins are even more impressive. Um, and, uh, and, but you know, there's, um, you know, I think wins do matter. It's why people at Florida love Tim Tebow. I don't know how great a quarterback he was, but man, that guy knew how to win somehow grind out and win football games and sort of be clutch at just the right spot and make the big play and, and all those types of things. I, I think that's very, very important. And it's not just what, you know, your quarterback rating is, which is a sum of a bunch of different numbers thrown into some sort of uh, uh, equation, an algorithm, as they like to say now, which is really just an equation, and, uh, and and you know pops out this number that goes, oh, this guy is that good. Because there's other things that go into it. I don't know, you know, you know, it's it's the uh, it's not taking a sack. It's that thing of like, you know, you could say it's a a quarterback gets sacked and it's like, oh, it's down the offensive line. But you know, there's the really good quarterbacks don't take those sacks because they're so hard from uh, to come back from in the NFL. So you've played right into my hands here, Sage because that's the counterpoint that you would be saying I need to see him actually prove that he can win the playoff game in order to spend that much money otherwise I'm going to look at a lot of these stats and say hey they were nice and some of those wins were nice and you played really well and I'm not going to take that away from you but this is a great football team from top to bottom with great offensive minds running it and a great defensive mind running it and if we can't win in the playoffs then what did we spend all that money for so that would be the counterpoint is I want to wait and see. Let me wait and see. Uh, yeah, I like to wait and see. And yeah. you know, if it all works out, it all works out. And if you have to over overpay, that's just what you do because you won a Super Bowl or you get to the Super Bowl, and it's somehow you know you made it worth it to overpay. And um, you know, if you if you sign Kirk back, you're probably gonna uh, if you sign back later, the more you overpay, right? So we'll, we'll you know we'll see how the whole thing pans out. But you know, I I would I would just wait till the season ends and deal with that thing in the off season and, and just sort of take that approach and and uh, uh, you know chance it. But you know this system has, you know, I'll, I'll clue myself. Like I had my best years in this system. You know, Matt Schaub led the NFL in passing in, in this system, and um, you know they never won you know fourteen ball games or whatever. So the system does produce good stats for the quarterback. It's amazing how open guys get sometimes on the bootlegs on the uh on those play actions we saw it again yesterday with stefan Diggs, and 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 we saw it some from some other teams too but this system does create that and it allows the quarterback to not have to be you know what what deshaun watson does uh and what aaron Rodgers has been trying to do for years is create all this magic in the pocket it's a hard place to be in this offense tries to minimize that and a lot of times quarterback put up really good numbers uh and i include myself on them they weren't great numbers but for me they were my best numbers in my career yep and and i think that that's what makes the discussion really interesting about how well he's played this year and overall as a minnesota viking he's 18 11 and 1 
is pretty darn good. Um, but that I think a lot of people would side with you on the let's wait and see how this plays out when we get to the postseason first. Well, because um, we also saw Kirk Cut or uh, Kirk Cousins, but Case Keenum two years ago, similar football team. You know, win fourteen games that year, right? So we we you know the team is good, and I will you know I, I would say this I I'm glad that uh, you know of course you like to have a top five like legit top five quarterback in the league and one of these super superstars uh but the fact that this is a very good football team without one of those premier quarterbacks and that means it's a you know well balanced it's got good players at all the positions it's got two different types of uh really three different types of tight ends that all do different things well uh they got obviously the receivers on the outside that we like and, and the offensive line is playing as good as they've played uh in the last two seasons and, and obviously the defense has a lot of good players over there and those defense events Rick Spielman, he knows how to draft defensive ends. Yeah, that's he for finds sure. them. I'll tell you that. Uh, you know, for going back to my time with him back in Miami, we had, you know, he had come there and Jason Taylor was already there, but they had seemed like they had, we always had good defensive ends and, and, uh, uh, they got a, a guy, Adebali Agulier and, and who I'm going to the Pro Bowl, I'm going to Chicago, but they, he's always been good at finding defensive ends and he's been, been good at finding them, uh, in Minnesota. And, you know, guys like Everson who were not first round draft picks, he has found them in, the, in those later rounds and they've been developed by a good coaching staff. So, uh, they got a, a really balanced football team and it's nice that you don't rely on your quarterback having to play amazing football like what it seems like, uh, 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 Mahomes has to do. I mean, he has to go out yes, there and yeah. he's making all kinds of crazy. Carson Wentz is, was making magic yesterday in the fourth quarter. Uh, it's nice that our, our quarterback doesn't have to do that because it has just a very quality team around it and a, and a very good coaching staff. And the, the efficiency and the execution on offense as of late has been phenomenal. So let me ask you this. What do you want to see from this ball club here um, over these last two games, if anything? that you feel like you can have more information or you can learn more, understand them better as they go into the playoffs. Is there anything that you're like, I'm still waiting on that? Well, I don't know. Um, The the secondary, that's been an issue, right? Uh, You know, this season, obviously out of the interceptions yesterday, but that's been, you know, that was one really good game, but they've been one of the weaknesses of this football team. And you can tell they're starting to play, a few different combinations out there. Mike Hughes is playing more and more. By the way, they attacked Mike Hughes three times in a row mm-hmm. on basically the same route. Uh, it was at the end. Of, it was at two minute maybe at the end of the first half or something. But they threw three straight uh, short, short comebacks to him, and and uh, he defended one of them you know, extremely well and, and broke it up. But uh, you know, so there. That's that's what I'm always issue or concerned about is uh, is that secondary right now because they had a good game yesterday, but they've been inconsistent a lot uh, this season. Which, by the way, it appears from a quote from Mike Zimmer today that Xavier Rhodes has been effectively benched. Um, Courtney Cronin tweeted this a few minutes ago from Zimmer's press conference that uh, uh, Rhodes only played 14 snaps. And Zimmer said of his limited playing time, because it seemed like maybe the ankle was hurting him or the calf or something on the sideline there, he said that was the plan going in. He said it wasn't injuries that were the reason for his limited playing time. The plan was basically to turn things over to Mike Hughes. And in my mind, even though Hughes is not perfect yet, for sure, uh, he has played better overall this season when he's gotten his chance. And I think this is the right move to say, you know what, we'll still use Rhodes from time to time, especially in a run situation where he's an excellent tackler. But aside from that, play Mike Hughes. Start Mike Hughes and hope that he continues to get 
uh, better as they go along, and that by the time you do get to the playoffs, that Hughes will have enough experience and will be starting to ascend as opposed to where Rhodes was. Well, I think when you talk about you know all the analytics and things now at the NFL, I don't know if we could have made that uh, um, uh, when you came up was it he's 80th of 82. Yeah, that was head, that was headed into this, like that. this game. Yep. Yeah, so I mean that's a st- that's like a new thing. You couldn't have come up with that stat ten years ago. So it used to be just so much on the eye, and probably you know, we talked about you know Zim- Zimmer has an affinity towards him. So one of those things where if a coach really likes a player, they'll sort of give him the benefit of the of the doubt. But when you grade out as 80th out of 82, uh, you have to make some changes and let some other guys play. And it looks like to me they're going to try to go with some young guys and and uh, you know and maybe his limited you know uh, maybe he just plays less. Maybe it's sort of like with Dalvin Cook's injury. Uh, if he just you know playing this week but playing less, maybe it's the same thing with Xavier Rhodes. Is yeah, you know, just maybe playing less is more is is better for him to play ten to fifteen twenty snaps a game, and he'll be fresher and and uh, maybe even sit him out a game to get uh, you know fully healthy uh, so they can use him in the playoffs and, and he'll be uh, you know up his his have fresh legs and he'll be ready to go. Uh, Sage, when we get together again on Wednesday, um, I'm excited for this because the game isn't till Monday night. So we kind of have one of those days where we can do whatever we want. I don't think that you've ever done hot routes. Have you ever done hot routes? No, I don't, I don't, I don't know what hot routes is. I don't think. Oh, hot routes. Oh boy, hot routes on Wednesday. I'm going to be up in I'm going to be up in Minnesota. I haven't even told you that. Are yet, you? I'll be, okay. I'll, I'll be at the game on Monday. So okay. tell uh, Collar to get me a pa- or tell uh, Mackie or somebody to get me a pass or well, something. We so. will. But well, you got to do that yourself. But uh, <laughs> when Wednesday, you can handle it. Uh, if you went to the Combine and played reporter all by yourself, you can handle getting yourself a, a credential. Uh, but uh, Wednesday, we will do hot routes with you. You will discover the excellence and the majesty of hot routes. Okay? Wait, wait, talking so, about next, next Wednesday or talking about Monday? What no, are talking I'm talking about, about like two days from now or tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What, what day is it? It's Monday. Today's Two days Monday. From now. Yeah, we're, I'm crazy. I'm losing I, my I was mind in here. West Coast time. The days are different there. <laughs> yeah, I've been okay. uh, I've been wrapping presents and uh, and 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 plowing my driveway today. So, okay. So, yeah. All right. Know, Beautiful. I'm all over the place. <laughs> Um, I got yeah, so Wednesday we'll, we'll, full of snow. we'll do hot routes, and I'm listen. That's, this is going to be a great atmosphere. I tell you what, uh, on Monday night, that's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, you know, should be national televised game Monday night football. Though, I, though Sunday night football is better nowadays, right? Yes, it's I all about the Sunday night football. Um, and it seems like they uh, they always get better games, but uh, it's going to be it's going to be pretty cool to uh, to be in that in that stadium and and be uh, at this game. Should be you know two playoff games playing week sixteen uh, sounds pretty good to me. And and uh, we'll, we'll see how the Vikings progress as uh, they head towards the playoff. They still have to win. You got to think at least one of these final two games. Okay, but don't forget you're on Wednesday, and that's when we're doing hot routes. Yes, and then yes. it's hot next routes. Monday that you'll Do be I, in can studio. I look up? Can I look up hot routes somewhere? We have done we have done hot routes uh, many a time. It's just never really timed out correctly to have you as the featured hot route er. Gotcha. <laughs> hot route e. What I don't know what you call it. Hot route um, answerer. Anyway, uh, so we'll do that Wednesday. I'll explain to you before what it is. I'll send you the questions and you'll be able to get your answers ready. So um, excellent. Okay, well, good stuff, Sage. Always great to chat with you. And we're going to talk with Jed Zolgad when we return. You'll listen to Purple Daily here on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Cook and Ham in the backfield on first and goal. They fake the pitch. Cousins throws. Enzo grabbed by Irv Smith. 
the rookie. Honestly, it's it's first things first. You know what's important is is beating the Packers, and and we're not going to spend time or energy thinking about all that's out of our control. Um, we have plenty in our control, and we'll focus on that. But um, you know, it's no secret that to, to have a home playoff game would, would help, and uh, the Packers know that too. So uh, it's going to be a you know two good football teams going at it next Monday night. Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins there, Matthew Collar, and now Zolged joins the show. I have two important questions for you that I think are fun to talk about, Judd. Uh, but off the air, you said, in my scenario that I laid out to Sage Rosenfels, if Kirk Cousins came up to your office today and you uh, were Rick Spielman and he said, I will sign a team-friendly contract extension today, this moment, mm-hmm. or... It's off the table until the off season, in which you'll have to make a decision on me then, and then I could potentially hit free agency. If that scenario was presented to Sage, he said, I'm just going to wait and see, and if you win the playoff game, then I'll bite the bullet, and or if you take us deep, I'll bite the bullet, and I'll give you the contract extension. Uh, if not, I, I want to see how this plays out. You would sign Kirk Cousins today. Yes, if he came up to my office right now and said, um, Judd, and I said, yes, Kirk, what's going on? And he said, Judd, I want to win. How do we win? And I said, well, we win by you still being really, really rich at life, like you're doing great, house intact, wife happy. But that being said, we win by you doing me, by you doing me a solid and taking a bit less. So you are now not trying to break the bank, you're going to make a lot, but now all of a sudden we can fill in with another defensive player. Or, for Kirk, offensive line help. So, yes, if Kirk Cousins came to me today and said, right now, this second, I'll sign a team-friendly contract, but if I walk out, we are going back to I want to break the bank come July. I'm doing that. All right, now let me ask you a follow-up. When Jared Goff went to the Super Bowl last year, the week of the Super Bowl leading up to it, and I had asked you, would you sign Jared Goff to a contract extension this moment? You would have said yes, right? Team friend. I mean, is that team friendly? What I, he think, got? I think his is team friendly. Yes. Okay, then yes. Yep, for sure. And now he has an 84 quarterback rating, and he's not on a very good team. And you wonder how they're ever going to get back to being where they were with a pretty, even though it's team friendly, pretty big quarterback contract. That is the question that is so interesting to me about Kirk Cousins' year. Because over the last two seasons, only three guys have higher quarterback ratings, and we would all agree they are great. Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes, and Russell Wilson are the only ones with higher quarterback ratings. Lamar Jackson right behind Kirk Cousins, and of course the running element of Lamar Jackson changes that game, and so does Wilson's. But aside from that, that's not to say he's been the fourth best quarterback in the NFL. Right. But even by pro football focus metrics, pretty high. And even by the QBR, which is a little more skeptical of Cousins' season this year, still in that top ten ballpark for Cousins. But I think the way he's viewed for Minnesota Vikings fans who have come around on him this year much more than where they were last year, Mm -hmm. and winning does that for you. Also, maybe a little bit of a tweak in how he handled some certain things last year when things went wrong compared to this season where I I think he has handled things much better. And national media has blown up on him over the apology and stuff like that. But I think in terms of how fans view Kirk Cousins, he's become a more likable figure for them this year. And to see someone's 
skill set fully maximized with great weapons and a great offensive mind and all those things that you see what he is completely capable of in a regular season with a schedule that has been easy. There's no debating it. All 10 of your wins have come against teams Absolutely. with losing records. So uh, so under great circumstances, yep. with great receiving options, an offensive line that's improved, one of the top three running backs in the game, and with Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski seeming to work perfectly in lockstep, everything is has been right for you. And you've been... Great. I don't think it's anything short of great this year for Kirk Cousins. He's fifth by pro football focus. I'll see what he's ranked after today. They haven't put out their grades yet, but it's still going to be in that five or six area. The question is twofold on an extension. Number one, do you think this continues? And number two, does he have to win a playoff game to get to the next level, like he said before the season. This is not the first time Kirk Cousins has put up very good quarterback ratings. It is the first time he's got 10 wins, but he had nine wins once before. It's not like sometimes people act like he's just never done anything. Like, okay, no, he's won in the regular season before, and he's had nine wins before. But the playoffs are the reason you're here. So if the reason you're here was not to put up a good quarterback rating necessarily and yep. and not to win games against the Chargers who turn it over seven times or to beat the Detroit Lions that don't want to play for their coach or, you know, and on and on and on, the all the other teams that they've beaten this year that weren't really worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to take this team deep into the postseason because that's what they're capable of per their just sheer level of talent. Add up all their talent. Put the it up against good. these other teams. Put it up against New Orleans. Put it up against San Francisco. Put it up against Green Bay or Seattle. They are there or better than all these teams that are going to be in the playoffs in pure talent. So if you can't take them anywhere, I think it would be fair for people to say, well, that's kind of what we brought you here for. But you said the key words, though. The key words to this entire conversation are twofold, team-friendly. Team-friendly. You give me team-friendly, I'll give you a contract. Because I want the freedom, and this is my key thing with Kirk now. You got rich last time, okay? Did that really serve us all except for you really, really well? Absolutely not. Because now contracts are a problem. Salary cap's a problem. So if you are willing to cut me a deal, I will make your life very good. And and here's the other key thing that I do. I go to Kirk and I say, Kirk comes to me and I say, Kirk, let's do the deal. And I draw the contract up. The second he leaves my office, guess what else I do? I summon one Gary Kubiak to my office office there is no salary cap on coaching staff and i push a piece of paper across the table at gary and i say gary don't ever tell people this but what you are looking at is mike zimmer's contract you're looking at exactly what mike makes i'm going to give you one dollar (laughs) less and i'm going to make you incredibly rich and if stefanski bolts on me oh no i've lost him that's too bad he's a good coach but my gosh, if we have buried the lead right now on a 10-win team in 2019, it's Gary. Gary Kubiak has been, and I will give the Vikings a demerit for the fact that they didn't think of this last year, because Kirk needs this, and that's clear, right? But the partnership between what Kirk can do to execute, and, and it's Kevin calling plays, but make no mistake, it's Kubiak's offensive system scheme that has been um, put in here. It's a marriage that is a very successful one. And so if Kirk will give me a deal on on his contract for salary cap purposes, I'm then calling Gary in and I'm saying, Gary, everything remains exactly status quo, except you're going to make $1 less than Zim, and that's going to be it. 
I think even we underestimated, because of natural skepticism about how he would fit in and so forth, underestimated the Gary effect. Mm -hmm. When you go through um, his career and just look at the quarterbacks who have become something under Gary Kubiak, it's remarkable. And we have really gotten an up-close and personal look at all those reasons why. Their scripted plays from yesterday were just brilliant. They go right down the field and score a touchdown. the same exact thing. Wow, I mean, how about that? And even in-game adjustments are really good. And and, and then the bootlegs have helped the offensive line. Sage Rosenfels predicted all of this like a gypsy before the season, but how did he know? Because he played with Gary, and he went, I think, 4-1 and with Gary or something like that when he started in Houston. And it just it works. The things that they do, they're extremely unpredictable. They have at one point C.J. Ham lines up as a wide receiver, and then he's a tight end, and then he's a fullback, and opposing teams don't know what to do with that. It's it's just remarkable. Then they come out and they run a couple of end arounds just to show you that we might do it, and then later they come back to the jet motion, and then it's a fake, but you have to then pay attention to it, and that opens up something else. The screen game. Kirk Cousins has picked up a bleep ton of yards by just... Now, usually he throws it over the guy, unlike yesterday. But by usually just being able to drop it off to Delvin Cook or Alexander Madison and letting them run. And part of the question then becomes about this Kirk extension and whether he's shown you enough that you would do it today is, well, let's see, if you offered Gary all that money and you somehow kept Kevin Stefanski, or at least just Gary, let's say he doesn't want to move again or whatever, he wants to stay here. Mm Mm-hmm. Then would you be confident in saying, you know what, we could be one of those teams that has the rookie quarterback that we draft this year, develop for next year, or we could sign somebody else for cheaper and bring them in and have them replace Kirk but put up similar numbers. Or, or we want a guy who maybe can run or has better pocket presence or does something differently than Cousins. I think you're, you are kind of putting your life in your hands, going from a quarterback who has been this year just outside or just into the top five by pro football focus, top 10 by QBR, the ESPN stat, and by quarterback rating all the way at the top. So everything says he's been good. You're risking it, but then I look at some of the other teams that have done this same thing. Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, where, yeah, you're risking it by not keeping Favre until he absolutely dies. Uh, Or the best example is Kansas City, but even New England has done the same sort of thing with succession plans for Brady. It's just that Brady hadn't fallen off until right now. And I, I just I find this question never endingly fascinating where we all stand on a potential extension because I think the audience would probably be split between saying, Yeah, good luck finding a better quarterback than this. Give me what, the parameters. What three more let's, years? Let's say three more years and let's just say the same contract. Same contract goes Which now to team friendly from three years from now. Very true. Yeah, I'd be very tempted. Unless I felt that Gary could go out and find me a QB, identify one that I could draft. Kirk is, look, this offense now, it's good. It's successful. It is good. It's run really well. Kirk is not a uh, disaster now. By any means, he's good. So if I'm going, now, if you tell me I'm going five more years, I'm going to be, that's a little bit long for me. But if I'm going three more years and Gary, and I'm not being a smart aleck here, if Gary says, I will stay, I need you, Gary, you know, this, no, I'm serious, this this doesn't work if I bring in the fly-by-night guy, it just doesn't, okay? So if I, so if Gary says, you know what, this has been great, the media, I don't have to talk to those bozos ever, for the most part, seriously, Gary is... 
Gary is not being praised, Matthew, because people are forgetting Gary's here. Yeah. And uh, and Gary clearly likes that. That's fine. But well, if you're but if you're telling me three more years of Kirk, three more years, I'll do it. Isn't that part of the question though with Kirk is and this sort of speaks to how important it is for him to win in the playoffs this year, for them to go deep this year, because everything has aligned for them, aside from a bit of a bum shoulder for Dalvin Cook, and we'll see where that goes over the rest of the year. But aside from that, I mean, you're almost nitpicking to say, well, one receiver missed some games. Your offensive line has been fully healthy this year. Stephon Diggs has caught everything deep. A few balls underneath have been dropped, but, I mean, you're nitpicking at that point. He's been unreal this year, and they have players developing out of freaking nowhere all over the place. B.C. Johnson catches a 19-yard ball. Irv Smith with a great touchdown catch. These guys are coming out of the woodwork. Rick gets credit there, man. I mean, you have Mike Boone shows up and can run the ball. How about the 2015 draft? well, I, and those guys have turned into your stars. super, super stars. Yeah. And it's very difficult to keep a great defense together. We've seen that. And this might be the last year of them having having this much success even. I know people are skeptical, but they're still sixth in points. And it's going to be hard as they go forward to continue that. Um, but that's where I might say there is a case to turn down his extension, see if you can win the playoffs, because you've had everything right for him. And it's not always going to be that way. And if everything needs to be right in order for you to to do what they've done this year, including schedule, then you would say, all right, well, let me see it against Drew Brees. Go down to New Orleans and really show me. But then again, it's really hard to judge a guy on one this game. This is a tough conversation. Yeah, it's very, I'm just telling you, I'm when I look around this league at quarterback play, okay, and I look, and if you were to ask me. How many quarterbacks would you instantly extend by three to five years right now? That list is incredibly small. Incredibly small. Um, Wilson for sure. Watson for sure. There's three or four. But Breeze is too old now. Brady's too old now. So if you're asking me with what Kirk has done, if this is going to put me in a situation to potentially re-sign guys or or sign guys uh, in free agency... I got to consider it. Yeah, I've got I, I to consider too, it. It would be very hard to turn it down when you've had this type of production, and, and it's your that you can do. It. And it's your fault that you got the harebrained idea last year to bring in the the quarterbacks coach from yes. Philadelphia yeah. and be like, "Oh, this is going to work yeah. with our quarterback just fine." That's your. That's and, a Viking fault. And, and I think what the counterpoint to that would be is there were also times where they've needed him to be big even within this season, yep. and he hasn't been. And that's why they're 0-4 against teams with that, winning records. This is true. And they are going to get a chance to turn that around against Green Bay in a game that has minimal meaning. Um, two real quick notes that have come across just this moment. One of them I am laughing hysterically, but I'll give you the not funny one first. Josh Gordon was uh, suspended indefinitely by the NFL. We knew that was coming at some point. Is this the, what the Patriots knew? They must have. They must have. Maybe they videotaped Rod. <laughs> Patriots got their own problems. Um, but this is even funnier. Yeah. Uh, I have long taken jabs at the Honorable Doug Marone on the show. Oh, did he just get fired? No, he didn't. Okay. But this is even funnier. The NFL Players Association released a statement showing that the Jacksonville Jaguars accounted for over 25% of all grievances from players. And in it, it says, as as players, you might want to consider this when you have a chance to select your next club. 
Great job, Douglas J. Marone, my friend. Just killing it down there, as always. Well, I'll tell you right now, it's, ja- it's Jacksonville, so if I'm a good player and I'm considering my options, that's a no. Yeah, that's going to be that's no, a no to Jacksonville. Unless they fire him, which I'm sure they will. <laughs> if they do fire him, I'm not going to Jacksonville. Next question for you, Judd. Is this the best Vikings team since 2009? You know, just off the top of my head, I'm going to say no, because I think the 2017 team defensively was so good, and I know it ended badly, okay? Sure did. Uh, but that offense was very functional. Not and for us, though. We went to Ruby Tuesdays oh, four days in a row. Eight times and got mocked by everybody, which was not fair, because it's a it was, great salad bar. And you know, it was near our hotel. And do you we know how difficult downtown. it is to find a good salad bar right now these days? It's very difficult. There's health concerns there. A lot of places don't that don't have them. I'm going to say 2017 because the defense was better than this one, and the offense was, despite the fact that I was not and remain to this day a guy that didn't believe in Case Keenum long term. That offense was good. That offense was good. I will say this uh, just quickly. In watching the Vikings of late, I have realized that the cornerback problem and, and the fact the interior of the defensive line is not as consistently good as it used to be. I think is coloring our perception a little bit too much. The defensive ends are marvelous. The linebacking core is incredibly solid, and Eric Hendricks is a star. Yes. And the safeties are good. The cornerback play has led us, I think, including me, to make this blanket statement, well, the defense is not that good. That's actually, Judd should slow down there a little bit. Slow his role. They have a lot of talent. They do. And a lot of players who can change the game. Yes. They do not have a perfect defense. No. In 2017, aside from one really bad day in Philly, it was mostly a perfect defense. And the corners being not up to par is a problem. Yeah. Agree completely. Um, So let's compare this to 2017. And the reason that I would say this is better is, for one, Mm -hmm. Daniil Hunter and Eric Hendricks are better at football today than they were then, and they were great then. But they're even better now. And they're even more of game records now than they were then. So even though you do have falling off, uh, I, I think that those guys are more dangerous, have more of a chance to change the game with one play than maybe they even did then. That's not to say the defense is better. The defense in 2017 is one of the best that the Vikings franchise has ever had. Why I would say that it's a better team overall is 2017 they scored 382 total points on offense. And, you know, including pick sixes and stuff like that. But 382 total points a team. Mm-hmm. This year, they already have 378 with two games left to go. They're going to outscore this team by quite a bit. And probably every other Vikings team since they scored 470 points in 2009, which they will not reach unless something goes wildly wrong, then then it's possible the that they literally do, that. do not show up. And they most certainly will not be anywhere near the ballpark of the 1998 Vikings, who scored 556. But they can clear 400 points. And if you clear 400 points, that gets you ahead of every team since 2009. Of course, the 2015 team was in the middle of the league offensively. They loved to run the ball. The offensive line was bad. And the quarterback had to lift up the play of a lot of people in that situation. In Keenum's spot in 2017, he had the healthy Adam Thielen having a great year. The fact that this team just got Thielen back says to me that they're even better, that they have even more weapons. The number two tight end was David Morgan, who, you know, bless his blocking ability. It's wonderful. But he's not Irv Smith in terms of an impact value player. 
I think you go through this offense, and Shermer was on his game then. A lot of the same stuff that Kubiak he, is using. He was no Gary. But the Gary offense, it, telling you. the fact that your quarterback is just more talented, that's why you brought him here. Your weapons are better. Your offensive line, the way it's playing right now, is probably better than the end of 2017 offensive line. Which had an injury, right? Easton got hurt Easton on that, got hurt in, that in Green, Green Bay, Bay right. Yeah. And and at least defensively, you have several of the same players playing at an extremely high level. So I think this team is the third best team since, let's just go back to you know the mid-90s. Probably the third best team since the mid-90s. So 98, 2009, this team? Yeah, okay. I think so. That's fair. I, I'm just... I felt that that 2017 at the top of its game felt more dominant than this team, but it's probably very close. It is very close it's, because the margin of victory, I'm yeah. going deep into the stats here, but, but the margin of victory is almost identical between this and 2017. All right, here's my one problem, though. And, and you brought this up, and it's a fair point, but it's where it's where you have, I, I think, a lot of Vikings fans right now, and they are debating the true diehard uh, purple Kool-Aid fans. Your point, they've beaten eight teams that have losing records. They've beaten two teams, Eagles and Cowboys now, who I believe are both 7-7, seven and seven, all right? So it's very difficult to make judgments based on that. When you've not beaten one uh-huh. team, as we sit here today with two games left, two games left, when you've not beaten one team with a winning record, it becomes very difficult to tell you unequivocally, yeah, you know, I think this is real. That's what makes it so tough. I got another... Another stat for you. Yeah. Uh, Pro Football Reference has a strength of schedule stat. This strength of schedule this year Mm -hmm. for the Vikings is ninth easiest in Vikings team history. I love stats. Yeah, I know. It's a fun stat. Ninth easiest in team history that goes back to 1961. So Uh nearly 60 years. Yes. And one, two, three, four of those are in the 70s. So, you know, they're grabbing guys off the street. It's like, can you play? Uh, so yeah, I mean that's yeah, that, but that, they were hitting people head on back that then. That becomes such a huge part of it. And there's a half against Denver. There's a half against the Chargers. There are times along the way there are the games against winning teams where you just go, man, this team has great numbers and great stats. But do I believe in you? Do I really trust you? And on every Friday, Myron Metcalf and I kind of go through this. Like, do you trust them now, or what do you trust? Right. And that's a fair conversation. The first half of yesterday's game was what I expect for a playoff game for the Vikings, where the other team does great stuff, they move the ball, you have to hope for a turnover or something like that, that you aren't going to just put up 50 points in in a half against the team. You aren't going to go crazy offensively because a good team you face probably slows down the running game, and then you're more limited, and then it's how you perform on third downs and things like that. And they, Adam Thielen is actually annoyed after the game. Because he's like, we didn't finish those drives. And he's right. he he came in and he was happy to be back out there and, of course, happy they won. But that was one of the first things he said is, we better finish those drives. And you can't always trust this team to do that. If um, you play a, a playoff game right now with this team is currently constructed offensively and defensively, and in that playoff game you get a sudden change at your opponent's 11-yard line and you do not score and instead get a field goal, that's how you lose games. Playoff games. Yes, I agree. Let's take a break. We'll come back. What else do we need to learn over the next two games? And let's talk about how you would want it 
if you're the Vikings, to play out for the other teams in the NFC to set up the perfect scenario in the postseason. Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad, you listen to Purple Daily on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Score North has already run contests for $50,000 in cash, and we're regularly giving away tickets to local games, gift cards to local restaurants, and much, much more. But in order to reap these rewards, you must have the Score North app available for free in the Apple or Google Play stores. Third and long yardage, and here are the Vikings knocking at the door again, and boom! To the end zone for the touchdown! Yeah, that's right. Boone came in for two rushing touchdowns in relief appearance for the injured Dalvin Cook. And here's what Mike Zimmer had to say about Boone stepping up. Yeah, I thought Boone ran really hard, really well. We knew that he was a uh, a really good runner uh, from what he's done in the preseason and and what we see in practice. Um, and he's kind of had a chip on his shoulder. He wants to get out there and prove his point that he can go out and run and and be that type of back as well. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. All right, let's start right off here, Judd. I want you to pick the following games in Week 16, and then let's figure out how this playoff scenario works out All right. okay, for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Uh, first matchup is Rams and San Francisco 49ers. 49ers at home. 49ers. Okay. Coming off a uh, loss. Our next game is New Orleans on the road at Tennessee. Ooh. That's a tough one. That's not easy. Ooh, I got Tannehill fever these days. You're going to go Tennessee? I'm going to go Tennessee. Okay. All right. Hang on. Uh, I'm saying the ESPN playoff machine. Use it. It's fun. Just just type in ESPN playoff machine to Google and you'll figure it out. Don't work. Use uh, this. Our next game is Dallas and Philadelphia. Dallas and At Philly. Oh, can we get a flushing so, sound of a toilet for that throw game? throw batteries at Dak Prescott. Uh, I'm going to say Philadelphia because I have no idea. Okay. Arizona at Seattle. Seattle. All right. And Green Bay, Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota. All right, that's week 16. Now week 17, uh, New Orleans at Will Greer is going to start for Carolina. Yeah, you know, the Saints are going to bounce back from that devastating loss to the Titans. Um, I already typed this one in. And win. <laughs> um, the Lions and Packers, I already put this uh, one don't in. Worry. You do not yeah. have to Matt answer Patricia's that Matt Patricia's last game is Lions coach before Could it going be Matt back Nagy's to Nagy's last game, Chicago at Minnesota? Uh, no, it won't be, and um, the, the Vikings will win this game. Okay. How about Arizona? Oh, I guess Los Angeles doesn't matter at this point. Okay. How about San Francisco and Seattle? Where is it? It is at Seattle. I'll go Seattle. Okay. How about this? This would be Vikings top this, seed? No, but they can't get to the top seed, I don't think. But this, wow, would okay. be amazing for the Vikings. This, The one seed in this case would be Seattle. The two would be Green Bay. The three would be New Orleans. The four would be Philly playing the five, the Vikings. Are we going back, to Ruby, going back to Ruby Tuesday? Am I going? Can baby? I go? Bring I extra love socks. that buffet. We're going. Love that buffet. You'd have to be listening for a long time to know that we had to buy extra socks. Still have them. Stuck I still have it. those those extra socks. Yeah, they're soft. And I, they are very soft. Yeah. Yep. They were good. We got them at like a what? Walgreens? We're not kidding, Jonathan. No, they're nice socks. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. We ran out of socks and had to buy extra socks. My wife speculated that we accidentally bought women's socks, but that's what, 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 who cares? I didn't really care because they're really. What is my wife and I socks? have the same I know. socks? Basically, I know. Is there a difference? The socks, these socks were great because they breathe. Your feet feel free and easy. Yeah, I'll take lady socks all the time. I don't. Yeah, I'm all not all day long. I'm, Vikings, yeah. if the, 
This is, in okay. my mind, the most likely scenario. Aside from the only game you might question is that Saints and Titans I result. I would agree with that. All the other ones. Okay, let's say that doesn't and, happen. And maybe Dallas beats Philly, but then, of course, that would put Dallas into that game. If you're getting the five seed, though, whew. Redo I mean, the Saints Titans game and tell and tell me what happens to that. Okay, if you change that, I agree with you on that. That was I'm just guessing completely on that. If one. you change that result, that only changes things for the Packers, and that puts New Orleans up there. Okay, so but it's still four or five what, Vikings. What you should be rooting for is Seattle, and let's see, San Francisco. Did I give them two wins? No, they well they lost. So San Francisco loses to Seattle Week 17. Mm-hmm. I think that's what you're really looking at here is the Vikings go 2 and 0 and then Seattle has to win that game in week 17 and you end up with the 5 seed going to Philly if you are going to you're Philly. Winning. I know we said this before. Oh, they're playing Nick Foles, it'll be fine. But they oh, don't Philly. have any receivers. No, Philly don't. Philly, they they not had the same to Philly. escape the uh, Washington football squad yesterday. Philly is in a horrible shape. You've already beaten them twice with Kirk Cousins in pretty decided fashion in both games, in which Cousins has played great. He played great in Philly last year. Mm-hmm. I mean... And that was before Gary. Imagine him with Gary. Gary. Yeah, Probably 80 points. That was one of those where we went, oh, this Steve Filippo guy's really got it. Yeah, well, we were. Yeah, right. well, you know, things happen. So uh, that's pretty good, though. Yes. Now, if the Vikings lose to Chicago, okay, this would be one of those cases where you want to play your starters. Because if the Vikings lose to Chicago Week 17, they become the sixth seed. And then in this same scenario, they would be traveling to either Green Bay or New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Which I'm okay with traveling to Green Bay. Not okay with traveling to New Orleans if New Orleans loses that Tennessee game. Not okay with that. That's a very bad scenario for the Vikings. Traveling Compared to traveling to Green Bay, where we can hop in the car and you've played there a million times, or traveling to Philly, in which, I mean, that's a win. If you go to Philly, Uh, If it's not, we're going to hammer you. Oh, 100%. If you go to Green Bay and lose, I think we're like, ah, that wasn't that great. The Saints were like, no surprise that you lost that game. If you go to Dallas or Philadelphia and, and lose a playoff game, we are going to annihilate you for that. That's a you problem. Can we can we pause and, and talk about Dallas for a second? Just the, the WTF, Dallas. What are you? What are you? They go in yesterday, and I was thinking they're, yesterday. They're a talented team that's horribly coached. I was thinking yesterday. Clear as day to me. The Rams could make this interesting. They could beat yes. Dallas. Of course they can. Yes. McVay, they're a better coached team. They've been getting hot lately. And Dallas has just a fit of excellence and runs them out of the building. Mm-hmm. What? Dallas, this is why I would much rather Philly win that game at Philly this week. And that that one is huge to me because of this scenario. If Philly is not the team you're going to play, Dallas becomes really spooky to me. Because, of course, we would say, you lost to Dallas. How dare you? But Dallas has shown that any given week, they can show up and run somebody out of their building. Or they could play a really close game with you on but Sunday I didn't Night see Football. That, that game, was that more of Dallas's complete excellence? Or was that a, a combination of the Rams being a really weird team, too? Because I it, I've I given up both. on the Rams and, and re-embraced the Rams on numerous occasions so far. Uh-huh. Yep. I can't decide who the Rams are. The Rams might just be a different team at home, but I don't know because Baltimore absolutely murdered them at home. They are just as wonky as Dallas. Yes. I will give you that. But that wasn't just a win. That was a slaughter. 44 to 21. Dak Prescott was unreal in this game. All of a sudden, somebody named Tony Pollard ran for 131 yards. 
I mean, when Tavon Austin is catching a touchdown for you, things are going your way. But the, 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 the thing that I would not like about the Vikings going to Dallas is that they've got the players. They have a dopey coach, but they have the players. Philly doesn't have the players. Everybody's hurt. So unless they're getting back a bunch of receivers, which is, I suppose, possible, but even then, they had those receivers for the Vikings game and did not play very well. They have a bad defense, on and on and on. Dallas has good enough players on defense, definitely good enough stars on the offensive side, especially Dak Prescott has overall had a very, very good season. That would be one that I would say eh, you don't necessarily want that. So if we're ranking it for Mm -hmm. possibilities, Mm -hmm. dead last on my list is going to New Orleans. You don't want any part of that. That's a hard place to play. That's a legendary quarterback who is not falling apart like Phillip Rivers. He's playing pretty well. Uh, Then Dallas, then Philly. And Green Bay is somewhere in there. Wait, Green wait. Bay or Dallas? Do you want to go to Green Bay or Dallas? It's tough. You know, the only thing that I'd like about going to Dallas is your plan on turf. Uh, yeah. And your offense is pretty good yeah. on turf. I agree or with it's that. it's good on turf. Dallas doesn't have Dallas the doesn't defensive linemen either. Not at the same level. If you, if you go into the playoffs and lose to the um, division winner of the NFC East... I think it's pretty bad. But haven't we all agreed that Green Bay is just not that good? Yes, but do you want to go, just for your own sake, play in the potential cold on grass in that environment or play in Dallas on turf? Yeah, when you're an offensive team, you want to play. That's indoors, right? Yeah, you want to play I think I'd prefer Dallas. Yeah, I agree Just as far as environment goes. So ranking it from team you would least like to face to most like to face. the Saints are easily number one. Different type of ballpark. And then it's Green Bay for least want to face, then Dallas, then Philly. Yes. Root for Philly this week to beat Dallas at home. If they do that and the Vikings can pull off the five seed, then you have to root for Seattle. And, of course, you have to win both of those games. And Philly is grass and it's cold, but in this case, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, Over these last two games, let's say that they matter enough for a difference between a five and a six seed, which the Vikings decide is worth playing starters for. Mm -hmm. And I would agree with them if you can get a shot at going to Philly. Uh, if you get a shot at going to Dallas, I'm not sure it's quite as worth it, but still probably worth it to try and get the five seed. So let's say that that's on the table and they're going to play their starters week 17. What do you want to see out of them in order to feel, I guess I would say, confident that they can win a playoff game no matter who it's against? This is in against the Bears, you're saying, or, or against in the these Packers last two and then games? the Bears. Like, what do we need to still learn? Yesterday, I'm not sure how much we really learned about. No, I them, agree with that. The Packers than... game. I the reason why the Packers game excites me is because I think it gives you a test against a a solid but not great team. But it, it's a test, and most importantly, here's my question: down to individuals, Mike Hughes. Okay, Rogers is going to pick on Mike Hughes, but Mike Hughes needs to play a lot. We've just gotten to that point. Rhodes is hurt. Rhodes can't run. And so so the Packers game interests me just from a standpoint of you're playing a competent, good team. The Lions are a complete joke. The Chargers, I'll, I'll give you more credit for that win because it came on grass on the road, but they're also not good. And so what I want to learn is as much as I can, I think, about individual players who I believe are developing and where they are right now. I want to see Holton Hill play. I want to see, because you're going to have to get to a point where where those guys, if you are going to have success, and it might be tough, but if you're going to have success in the playoffs, those guys are going to have to play key roles. 
Rhodes can't, I don't think at this point in time, with, with it now being what? A bad leg to start with, an ankle then against Detroit, and now a calf. I don't think he can function. Did you see the quote from Zimmer today? I did not. The lack of snaps played by Rhodes yesterday was not due to injury. Oh! That was the plan. Okay. He's been effective. And you benched. saw the snap counts. Yep. I think he was down to about 25. Um, four, or no, 14. 14. 14, I'm sorry, yes. He's been effectively benched. Yeah, which is which the right move. needed to happen. And I wrote after the game that the Vikings are going to need Sunday's version of Mike Hughes. Correct. Which he did get picked on. And every time, can we stop with Twitter, every time the other team completes a pass, consider that NFL completion percentage is like 67%. Every time the other team completes a pass, what is Zimmer's defense these corners, oh, it's like, okay, all right. All right. A 6'3 okay. wide happen. receiver is going to outmuscle Mike Hughes at yeah, times. That, that is going to happen. We can't debate that. And he's not going to be Jarrell Revis. Yeah. Can he be better than Rhodes was this year? The answer is yes. And if you have everybody healthy on your defense and you have a young corner playing at least better than your previous starter who was struggling, then you are a better defense than you were for most of the season, yes. assuming that Hughes is up for the task. Because if he gets put on Devontae Adams, now let's see how that goes. Devontae might just drop the ball the way he's going these days, though. Yeah, they just... Those uh, Packers receivers are not dangerous right and, now. And that's another part of it with these playoff scenarios, is the Packers do still have a chance at ending up with a two-seed, which would be just so stupid. But how about the I mean, conference? They're just not a very how good about the team. Com- Look at the conference. I know, it's so In this weird. conference, if I was to tell you... That and it's not going to happen. But if the Vikings were the top seed, who coming here scares you? Coming here, coming here, almost nobody. That's exactly um, right. Um, going there, it's a different story. Always breeze, breeze would always yeah. scare and you. And Michael Thomas, because I don't think that you can stop him. But, but, the Packers but think don't about scare it. You. Think about a year where you could finish with the same exact record as a team that's uh, in your own division. Mm-hmm. You could have a better point differential by a pretty wide margin over that team. Mm-hmm. And you end up with a five, and they end up with a two. Well, can I tell you a little story? Like, talk to you guys about week two of this season. Well, because that's yep. what I'm going they, to... And that's right. They brought it on themselves. Well, we have an update. Uh, uh, so, wait for story time. Janoris Jenkins picked up by the Saints... He's actually had a really good year. Oh, he's just that's not he's just a dummy. That's not necessarily a good thing. No, it's not. No, it's not. Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> nope. You don't want to face the Saints in New Orleans. And Suggs got claimed too, right? By the Chiefs, I think. Yes, by the I Chiefs. I saw that. Yep. And Corey Vedvik got signed by the Bengals. Are you serious? I'm not making that up. In case you were wondering what Corey Vedvik is up to today, he is now on the Bengals practice squad. Oh my gosh. Okay, so story time yeah, goes go like ahead. this. All right. I'm going to give you the week four loss in Chicago is just a terrible day. It's a terrible game. At that time, we thought the Bears were certainly a better team, especially defensively probably, than they have been. So that's just a clunker. And you get, I think in fairness, 16-game season, you get a clunker. All right? But I'm going to tell you right now, what's going to bite these guys, what's going to bite the Vikings in the butt ultimately is that week two game. Because you had an opponent that went up by 21 on you, and we sat there in that press box, and we both saw this. Begged you to come back. Begged you to come back. And I honestly believe now, if you had a current day Kirk instead of week two Kirk, you come back and win that game. Kirk who throws it away. The Kirk who throws it away. Exactly, because all he had to do was launch that ball towards us in the press box. Uh, Kansas City was a tough loss, but a decent game. As far as you definitely, you did not play well, but you didn't 
no show that game. But I just keep going back to that week two game in thinking about what could have been and and a division foe in their place that got up big and sort of went to sleep. And can you imagine the difference? And, and I've just played it out in the playoff machine, so you know I don't know if uh, the Packers are going to end up with having a two-seed. They would need to win this game, and then they've got a good shot at it. Um, but even if I think there is still a scenario where even if the Vikings win both games, the Packers can still end up with that two-seed. If the roles were reversed, what we would be saying about the Vikings if they get the two-seed? I'd be saying Super Bowl favorite. I mean, to, to go to totally the Super Bowl different. in the NFC, if you got to come here, yes. good luck facing a team with a top-five offense, top-six defense in terms of points for, points against, one of the best point differentials in the NFL, even without a great strength of schedule. They've still beaten the tar out of all the bad teams, and you're going to get to do it at home. I mean, we saw even the best of the best we have seen since Mike Zimmer got here at that stadium struggle, including Aaron Rodgers, including a half Drew Brees in the uh, in the wild card game. Garoppolo. There. I mean, bring on Garoppolo, Garoppolo here. Right. Bring he on was, San Francisco. Garoppolo here. had five chances to beat the Vikings week one, 2018, botched all of them because it was just the U.S. Bank Stadium effect. And the fact that you have to go on the road is what is holding me back even though the numbers point to, hey, this should be one of the teams you talk about. But having to go on the road multiple times is just really tough. If Kirk is off for one of those games, even one half of those games on the road, it could just be over because those teams are all very, very good and in your ballpark. Um, so it's it's the one that if they lose in the first round, if they have to go to New Orleans, the worst scenario of the four, they have to go to New Orleans and Breeze beats them by a field goal. I mean, we're going to say, gosh, I mean, bad break having to go to New Orleans and play that team. Yeah, but it's but also you kind of brought it on yourself with having those close games not go your way. Yep. Exactly. And I just, I keep going back to that one game. I just do. Kansas City is disappointing. Backup QB, you could have won. You didn't. Road game. Seattle, same thing, right? But man, and, and I think it's because we went to the game, the Green Bay game. You're sitting there saying, "Oh my gosh, they are falling right. apart." They're the Packers come back. are come the back. Packers are falling apart. All right, um, from yesterday, just real quick, what did uh, what did you make of San Francisco losing to Atlanta? Is that Atlanta team just like really stupid weird? Five defensive starters for for San Francisco out. Correct, I believe that's a big deal. Yeah, um, and that Atlanta team's bizarre. Dan Super Quinn, bizarre. Dan Quinn, I still fire him. But that's a really weird team. How about the fact that Atlanta has wins on the road against New Orleans and San Francisco, and the Vikings have zero wins against winning teams, and yet Atlanta has five wins? Well, I will. What? I watched a good portion of of the Falcons win at the Superdome, and I will say this: the Saints almost no showed that game. Oh, they did. Yeah. They did not yeah, care. They did. They didn't play very well. But still, it's just like, I know. It's such an odd scenario. But it's not like it's not like the Falcons went in and played this great football game. The Saints were, I think, said, oh, this team stinks. How interesting is it to you that Urban Meyer was in D.C. yesterday nice. watching his former guy, Dwayne Haskins, who played actually great against the Eagles. It's the Eagles, but still, it's a rookie quarterback with a mostly bad team, 121 quarterback rating for Dwayne Haskins, two touchdowns, no picks yesterday. Urban Meyer, is he, is he coming? He's, he's coming to ne- D.C.? He's the next Steve Spurrier there, right? This is it's ridiculous. 
wouldn't that be just classic? If, if, I mean, isn't if that a man, if, so classic? If a man who on a few occasions has claimed that he's had to step away from coaching because of health problems yeah, sure. takes that uh-huh. job, mm-hmm. then health you know problems. what? I have no sympathy for what happens to your health. Um, the Cleveland Browns gave Freddie Kitchens the vote of confidence. Uh, they might want to unvote that after yesterday. Did you hear what... What happened yesterday? Jarvis Landry. Come get me. The latest to say, come get me. Now it's everybody is saying, come get me, get me out of Cleveland. Yes. And it's just the most Clevelandy thing to ever happen. And it was, come I would me. say, it was totally foreseeable <laughs> in the offseason. When they hired a schmuck as a head coach who had never done it before with a quarterback who has a propensity to be, uh, let's just say, not in complete control of things. Mm-hmm. And then you just say, "Oh, uh, is that a is that a small brush fire? Anybody got some gasoline? Let's trade for Odell." Beckham. Can I give you one though? All right, the quarterback last week, I believe, when you come out and pretty much for no reason question your medical staff. Unreal. Can you imagine if Cousins got up to a podium and took on the medical staff? I know. I, I don't know how. I don't know how to articulate how taboo that is. And then, so you have Freddie. Like Kitchens. you can question coaching, right? Yeah. I'm like that play call wasn't so great, yeah. and it's a big story. But the medical staff? I know. I don't remember anyone. I tried to tell Danny. Outside I said, Trent Williams, and that's you're in crazy. That's craziness. And Trent Williams had cancer, and they missed it. So, well, right, uh, and that's uh, very reasonable. But he was questioning it for him, and he was right. Yes, this guy was questioning it on behalf of Odell. Yeah, wild. And uh, it, you got to be thinking if you're Kevin Stefanski, say, uh, yeah, no, and the Browns no, call. Nope. Click. You got to be like, let's see. This ruined Shermer, as the Giants have as well. Uh, and Shermer's probably not a great coach, but still, still right. Cleveland gave you no chance. Right, it's eaten up at all who have tried. Do I really want to do that? Do I really want to go and be a first-time head coach for a quarterback who seems to have no respect for anyone? For receivers who all want to leave, mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think that's a no for me, dog. Now, and, I mean, do you know how many jobs stand to be open? If you're Stefanski, it looks like a lot. Yeah, it looks like a lot. There's to me there's only one guy who can fix Cleveland and that's Ron Rivera. Like brings the credibility, knows how to be a head coach, knows how to win in the NFL. It's a testament a testing of any man's um abilities though right there. And, and things were not exactly super easy for Ron Rivera all the time in Carolina. They had drama there too with Cam Newton at times, not the same way as Baker Mayfield, but sometimes and he worked his way through it. He's the guy that I would hire there because he has the experience. I would not want to hire a first-time nope. guy after you just blew up in your face. But I'm with you, with Freddie Kitchens. I wouldn't take it. Yeah, I if agree. I'm Stefanski, there's yep. no way I I'm agree. subjecting myself to that gong show. Even six weeks ago, I might have said, "Okay, this is Freddie's fault. He just was not ready for this, and he's has no idea what he's doing." But now this has gone so far off the deep end. I would have a tough time taking that job. I think telling Baker Mayfield to shut up, which you have to do, is incredibly difficult. Yes, yes, because he the, the doesn't seem to have any respect for anyone. Made no sense. Like Hugh Jackson left. If you're Baker, let it go. Yeah, what? What? He right, just kept are, acting like it was this huge deal. Yeah. Now, Jacksonville should be firing their coach today, and their offensive coordinator too, and uh, probably. That's an interesting one for Kevin Stefanski, though. It's not a great organization. You know what I intrigues me? Interesting. The Atlanta Falcons. 
We'll see on They'll that They'll hire one. an offensive they guy. Loyal to a fault. They are. They're going to love the fact that they got these wins at the end of the year. All right, Judd, this was fun. Mackie and Judd with Rami is coming up next. Uh, Phil is away, so it's you and Rami. Um, if you missed any of Purple Daily, wherever you get your podcast, go search it, leave a comment, leave some star ratings and such, and uh, that helps other people find the Purple Daily Show. So we'll catch you tomorrow here on Score North. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.